0: Did y'all enjoy that? Yeah, that's fun. I enjoy that. And we got so much talent here. We just got to use it. Yeah, we really do. I love to hear the, and I love stringed instruments. I just, I I love the guitar. I really do. I love this uh, uh, little ukulele. And, and, and I just got to say this, Jackie is learning so fast to play the guitar. It's just incredible what she's learning. And so uh, I, it's just a blessing. I, I enjoy that and I hope they'll do it more. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 9. Kind of a lighter sermon tonight. I know you're probably glad about that, but uh uh a l- little bit lighter. It says uh 2nd Peter chapter 1. Everybody there say amen. amen. Yeah, you're probably not Yeah, still trying to find 2 Peter. But uh Second Peter, let me help you. It comes right after 1 Peter. Okay, did that help any? whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Well, that's a wonderful thing. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for just your goodness to us, your grace, your mercy in our lives. Lord, thank you for the for the challenge that you present to us, as we saw some of that this morning. And then, and then, Lord, I ask you, please, here tonight, that you would help us to learn and to grow. And Spirit of God, guide us into all truth. But, but Father, I ask you, it's so important that, that we are spiritually protected tonight. So... Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I I plead the blood of Christ upon this place tonight, that you would wrap your arms around this place, and and Lord, that uh, that Satan would be bound and and would be held out of this place, and there would be no interference in anything that goes on. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness, and we yield to thee. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Now this passage is written to the saved, as verse one makes it really clear. Very quickly, it says to uh, them that have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it's clearly to the saved, and saying, you know, I'm just speaking to you that have that have believed like I believe, that you trusted Christ just like I've trusted Christ. And verse two is say we see the grace and peace is available available. I believe exponentially through the through this knowledge of the Savior. Jesus Christ. I mean, God says, you know, if you trust me, you know, being justified by faith, thereby you have peace with God. And so, right here, we see that grace and peace is available. And God says it's multiplied, but it's multiplied when, went through this knowledge that once you've gotten saved, you don't have to live in turmoil anymore. When you're saved by grace through faith, it you don't have to to live in this this this. This confusion of heart anymore. And he says, Grace and peace is available and multiplied through this knowledge. And then he has called us as Christians to glory and virtue. Then he says, The very next day, he says, I've called you to glory and virtue. And, and as I studied this out, really, you know, sometimes we read things and we recognize words, but what does this really mean? And to me, as I studied that, I believe it means essentially means he has called us to praise and, and worship in word and deed. I believe that when he says this glory and virtue, he's talking about us praising him both verbally, but he's also talking about praising and worshiping him in our deeds, the way we live. And uh, you know, and there's a lot about again, you know, this day and age praising him. oh, we're going to praise and worship God. This is our praise and worship. No, it's how you live when you walk out of that building. That's how you praise God. That's how you worship God. It's not just how you speak or sing it. It's how you do it alone when you praise him, when you worship him, as you walk down the street, when you worship him, as you come onto this property. And I beg you, as you enter this property sometime, drive onto it sometime where you're just going down the road or you're going somewhere else and just take a few minutes and praise God for what he's done here. This is a beautiful place. This incredible property and and, and, and look, we've got plans, and, and, and I see it already out here. Uh, Joe Carpenter, and they, they wrote me already, he said, Man, we've been trying for four days, and we're, he said, We're on our way. And, and and I don't know when I just told him, I begged him, I said, look, look, uh, don't try, try to drive all night. Stop someplace. Rest a little bit. Get here a little bit later. But but when he gets here, his dream is to help me get started. Uh, you know, God is so good. I dream as soon as I saw this field, you know, my, my background's athletics, and I ran a sports thing for for, for years at the college, and I ran athletics for the sailors, but I just saw right out here, we got some little soccer fields, and we're going to have some, uh, on Saturdays, we're going to have Saturday as uh, a little soccer league for those little guys that come out and get our whole community to come out here, and we'll have a, look, we'll get more people coming to us than we'll be able to go get and so uh, and he's and that's what he loves that's what he wants to do and so uh, it's just a dream what god can do and if we just praise him for what he has done but you know watch this we don't just praise him because he gave it to us but then we we have to go praise him by reaching those people by praising him to those people and so through his divine power and through his grace and through his word, we find we have this is so amazing we have exceeding great and precious promises, not just great and precious, exceeding great and precious. you know why because when God makes a promise it's exceeding, and when God makes a promise it's precious and so Precious promises accepted and fulfilled in our lives allow us. When we, when we have these great and precious promises and when they're accepted and fulfilled in our lives, this allows us to grow to be more like Jesus. To be more like Jesus is to be less like the world. That's what the scriptures, I'm not going to go back through and read them, but that's really, if you read through that passage, it's saying to be more like Jesus is to be less like the world and to uh, be less filled with the lusts and the desires of the flesh. God says you're going to be more like, Jesus says you're going to be more like me, and I I promise you this can happen if you'll follow me and if you'll listen to what I'm teaching you. He said, but when you you become closer to me, you're going to be less like the world. When you become closer to me, you're going to be less filled with the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. So, foundationally, here's what, what number one, we need salvation knowledge. So we need to know, and, and our community needs to know how to be saved. They need that. We need to reach, we need to get those, uh, you know, those, uh, we've had so many over the last few weeks of our, of our uh, junior church that have gotten saved, and still had a good group this week, Labor Day weekend, still had a good group over there, many saved, they, they came under a saving knowledge, but it's just not the knowledge, we can't just present it, we really, then we need to be saved, get the knowledge, know how to be saved, and then get saved. And then but then we need to understand his grace and his peace that comes with salvation. Now, number 4, we need to understand the glory and virtue he desires from us and in us. And so then he says once we that's just kind of the foundational of the first few verses, then he says in verse 5. See, so that's the first four, four verses, but in verse 5 it says now you're ready, uh, and he's he says now you're ready, I'll give you the recipe. For spiritual growth. See, foundationally, he gives us a foundation in, in verses four to get us ready for spiritual growth. Now, first of all, if you're going to get ready for spiritual growth, you got to be saved. Right. Amen. You got to know that you're saved. And watch this, not just that you are saved, but what, you need assurance that you're saved. You need to know that you're saved. You need to have that peace in your heart that God's word is true. And then he said, but when we get to this point and we've got, we followed his teaching verse first four verses, and I went through it very quickly, that brings us to verse five. And that's what I'm going to do again very quickly tonight. He says, beside this, and what this is, is, this is a recipe for spiritual growth. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, I, again, I'm going to go through this very quickly. It's a real s- simple message, but this is a very important message because it's God's divine order, uh, not just to his recipe, but it's a divine order in here of how to grow. And I want you to see this. He says, giving all diligence... Giving all diligence. Now, the word diligence is an amazing word. It means both carefully and hastily. Now, those two things don't normally go together. Carefully and hastily don't normally go together. But that's what God says this word means. And then what he means is, I believe, he says, follow the divine order carefully. But don't fool around doing it. If you're saved, start growing. If you're saved and you've, you're, you're get into my word. If you're saved, start listening to what I'm telling you. Take what I'm giving you and start now. Don't say tomorrow I'll do it. Don't say next week I'll do it. Or I'll, uh, you know, January 1st, that's when I'm going to start reading my Bible through again. No, here's, he's saying, amazing. Give this divine order. Carefully do this. Follow God's divine order for growth. But hastily, not waste time. Start growing today. He says, here's how. Now, you got to start right now. Here's our starting place. If you're, you're saved, Watch this. We've already dealt, the first four verses dealt with saving faith. Now he's talking to me, he says, add to your faith, add to the faith you already have. God says, every man's given the measure of faith. And we already found out he's talking to people that have already placed their faith in Jesus. So he says, add to that faith that you have He says, add to your faith. Now, you don't add faith to anything because faith is foundational. That's why God gives everyone the measure of faith. Salvation faith has already been established. So this is, right now, we're we're talking about salvation faith and add faith to faith. We're adding growing faith. Faith is believing. Also, when you're living faith, faith is believing when you cannot see or believing in spite of the information. That's one that's faith. But I'm also, you know, something we don't talk about a lot, and, and, you know, Mike and I talk about this a lot, you know, faith, a lot of faith is stepping out when you just can't see the result. I've been preaching on this, but also faith is this, faith is, is faith in spite of the consequences you can see. You know, faith is, is, is having faith in spite of the consequences you can see. Now, often this is called courage, but it's really not. It's, it's faith Watch this Faith is really faith When you're facing the lion's den And you know you are You know it takes faith You say well no that's courage No 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 that's not courage Because if you're You're by human courage You know you're going to die in there Okay so that's not cur- What it is it's faith Believing God can preserve me Even in the lion's den it's faith when, when you're facing the burning, fiery furnace. You know they're going to throw you in there, but you know what? You still believe God. It's faith when you're standing before the king unbidden and facing death for doing so, as Esther did. It's faith when your countenance reveals your broken heart before the king, and it's not supposed to when you talk about Nehemiah. It's faith when you sing in the prison the way the apostles did, even though they know they're in prison, they're going to stay in prison, and God's going to uh, you know, maybe deliver them, maybe not, but they're in prison, and their faith says we're still going to sing and trust God. It's faith when they're going to take off your head for preaching. It's faith when they imprison you for 12 years for preaching the gospel as they did with John Bunyan. It's faith when they burn you at the stake for baptizing converts or for translating the scriptures. And you know they're going to do it. That's faith. That's some incredible faith. Now, God says, man, that's your starting place to have faith. And there are different levels and kinds of faith. But God says, every man's given the measure of faith. And you placed what faith you had in Christ. And now that faith hopefully is beginning to grow. But he says, here's how you're going to spiritually grow. Add to your faith virtue. Now, it's the divine order that God has here is so important. And again, hopefully you enjoy this. But add to your faith virtue. The word virtue is defined as character or manliness or moral goodness or excellence. The order is so important because if you do not have, listen to this, it's so important. God says, I've given you a faith. Now add to your faith virtue. Now why, why is virtue the first one in, the, in this list? Because if you don't have moral character, if you don't have character, you're not going to add anything else on. You're not going to do what's the next thing. The next thing, a man without character will not study, therefore will never add knowledge until he has the character to do so. And so, and it says, add to your, your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Well, the reason it's in that order is because if you don't have any character, you're not going to study. You know, the kids that struggled in in college, uh, Bible college, the ones that struggle so much is that they may have a good heart, but they just didn't have character, so they didn't study. But God says you need to study, but, but this is not study to acquire just simple mental knowledge. God's saying this is study my truth. Study the Word of God. The order is so important because if you do not have character, especially moral character, you will struggle adding anything else spiritually into your life. But then God says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And that knowledge means it's, it's a, that is a study. It's like to make a science of. It's especially spiritual, biblical truth. God says, study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And so he's saying, look, the, the next thing, you need, to, you need to add information. Like I was talking about this morning, so much, you know, I understand, you got to add knowledge. So going through a discipleship program, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying if we depend on that, instead of understanding that you also got to have a desire to, to submit to God. Otherwise, it's just information in your head. It's a little little diploma on your wall because you finished, but but has it changed you? Now, here's a, now knowledge comes after knowledge comes temperance. Again, it's very quickly. I'll be done on time tonight. But it's as knowledge comes, temperance. Temperance means self control. So God says, add to knowledge, adds temperance, add self control. Now, why would temperance come after knowledge? Well, character is essential to self-control, but knowledge is also necessary for without knowledge, you know, character is the first thing, virtue is the first thing, so character is essential to self-control, but knowledge is also necessary for without the knowledge of the truth, you'll, you will not know what to control. You know, uh, look, temperance is doing what you ought to do when you ought to do it and not doing what you ought not do when you ought not do it. Are we okay here tonight? In case you didn't understand that, and and look, you say, Brother Hooker, you've said some of this before. Guess what? I'm going to say it again. And i'm gonna keep saying it like the guy that preached on the, on the uh, uh uh john three sixteen, and he came in and he pre- preached the most marvelous message on john 3, three sixteen, and the people said oh that's wonderful what a wonderful message and he came back they said i can't wait to come back tonight to hear what he preached came back that night he preached the same message john three sixteen, and they said wow you know did he forget that he preached that this morning and that does happen sometimes and so he 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 came back and he, he got through it and they said, "Well, that was nice. It was a good message." And then he came back Monday night because it was a revival. They came back Monday night, and he preached John 3:16. Not just John 3:16, but the same message. And then he came back Tuesday night, preached the same message, John 3:16. And finally after about 3 or 4 nights, people said, "Now, wait a minute. It was really a good message, but when you going to preach something else?" And he said, "When you start living this one." Amen. There's no insinuation there. But anyway, Character is essential to self-control, but knowledge is also necessary. And we, it, you, Because if we don't learn, we really don't know what we, should not be, what we should not be doing. In order to have proper self-control, we must know what to control. When I first got saved there at Memphis State in, in, in that dorm room, I had no clue really what was right and wrong. I, I really didn't. Now, I, I was a little bit different. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit can convicts you even though you haven't read it okay i believe that i believe the holy spirit can convict you of wrong and he did he whooped the fire out of me about some things but you know there's a lot of things that i just did not know was wrong but you know it was very important that i began to learn what was wrong what was right what i should be doing what i should not be doing because until i learned it i really didn't know what to say no to But as I learned it, I found out, you know, there's some things that even though all my whole life I thought this was okay, Uh, you know, I, I didn't know that there was music that was wrong. I did not know that there was places that I should not go or things I should not do. It seemed everything was okay as long as I enjoyed it. Anybody been there? Well, nobody. Okay, but life for me was my enjoyment. People were for my enjoyment regardless of the consequences of my actions. The knowledge of Christ allows the Spirit of God to teach me, and the knowledge of the Word of God taught me, and I found that I must control those desires for those things because suddenly I realized from the knowledge I gained, both through the Holy Spirit and both through the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit never told me something that was outside of the Scripture, if you understand what I'm saying. But, but Paul said, you know, he was, I was not taught of any man, but three years the Holy Spirit of God taught me. And, and I and I'm honestly, much that way for me is that... that I, it, The Holy Spirit just convicted my heart of things. But you, when you learn, you realize, I'm not supposed to do that anymore. Now watch this. In order if you don't have character, you're not going to learn, but you're also not going to have the self-control to submit. To say, God, okay, this is a hard thing. I'm in Memphis State. I've been partying every night. I've been going someplace different every night. I've been going out doing this and that and everything. And you don't want me to? That's why God said add virtue. Because I thank God for my daddy who whooped a fool out of me and made and gave us some character. Because when he said don't do it, and he was watching, <laughs> we didn't do it. Now, I ain't saying we never did it when he wasn't watching, but when God said don't do it, and I had enough sense to know He was always watching, there was a whole lot of it I just didn't do anymore. Not perfectly, but there's a lot of it. I just thought, I better not do this anymore. And I I really believe it was because of the training that I got. And I understand that a lot of this world didn't get the training that I got, but we still need to get through to them that this is God's divine order of growth. Now, the knowledge of Christ allows the Spirit of God to teach me. The knowledge of the Word of God taught me, and I found that I must control my desires. And temperance, which is self-control, it says, God says, add patience to that. Now, patience is cheerful endurance. But watch this, folks. Again, this is a divine order because if you, if you can't get self-control, you're sure not going to cheerfully endure the trials of life. Right. Right. You understand? Look, if you don't have self-control uh, and you walk out to your car tonight and the tire's flat, or you walk out to your car, yeah, the tire's flat, Amen, Jesse. Uh, you walk out to your car and the tire's flat. Or you walk out to your car and, and, and uh, Kobe, somebody sawed off your pipes and took them. Here's what's going to happen. If you have not already added self-control, you're not going to cheerfully endure that. Do you understand? Some of you may remember a long time ago when you were spiritually immature. And when something like that happened or you walk out to the car in the parking lot at the at the at the grocery store and somebody's keyed it all the way down. Now, watch this. If you're not if you don't have self control already, you will not cheerfully endure that situation. Anybody here ever kicked a flat tower expecting the air to come back in it? <laughs> Anybody here ever mumbled some magical words to that tower? And that didn't help either, did it? <laughs> and you only do that because you're afraid somebody's going to hear you. So, now, it's just it's such an incredible order here. God says this is not going to happen if you hadn't already added this. So it's one thing to endure a situation because you have no other option or recourse. You know, when you go out, there's a lot of things that that we, you know, when when my little truck died on me, I had no choice. I had to endure it. It was dead. Okay? And as I said, it didn't die. I murdered it. But but the fact is, is that it was it was dead. I couldn't do anything about that. Now, if I had not learned a little bit of self-control over the years, very little, but if I had not learned a little bit of self-control at that moment, I'm not cheerfully enduring this situation. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So, it's one thing to endure a situation because we have no o- other option or recourse, but cheerfully endure is a horse of a different color. It's a horse of a different color. And so, y'all didn't get that either. So, I will never cheerfully endure the negatives of life if I have not first added temperance into my life. So, without temperance, you do not cheerfully endure. You, you angrily survive. It's really what it is. You angrily get through it, survive it. You, in frustration, continue on. The self-control of temperance allows you to stop and tell yourself God is in control. That self-control is what helps you to stop and say, God knows what's going on. That moment of self-control. And when you say God's in control, that somehow helps your whole attitude to say it's also going to be okay. Now, And and it helps you understand you can do all things through Christ, whatever the situation is. Now, I I got stuff I I could illustrate, but I'm not going to. Number seven, or whatever number it was, amazingly, brotherly kindness comes after patience. Now, it's kind of, you say amazingly, because patience, cheerfully enduring the adversities of life, allows us to enter what I believe is the first floor, the ground level of godliness. You see... Godliness is amazing because godliness comes before brotherly kindness. If you look at the passage, you add godliness before you add brotherly kindness. And so cheerfully enduring the adversities of life allows us to enter the first floor of, I believe, of godliness. Being Christ-like during opposition and adversity. That cheerfulness during adverse times allows us to handle situations the way Christ would handle them and handle people in adverse situations the way Christ would handle them, to respond the way Christ would respond, and that's godliness. That's, that's a form of godliness. And again, my time's going to... But what happens is then you add to godliness brotherly kindness. Now, again, the, the reality is... Uh, Brotherly kindness comes after godliness, but the reality is until we have a godly perspective about life and others during adverse situations especially, we will not live for others. So unless we have the right attitude going through the situations of life, unless we have that, we we, we simply will not have a godly perspective about others, and the godly perspective about others is brotherly kindness. This is why Christ said, you have have done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. He said, you know, until you understand that way you treat people, if you treat them godly, he said, okay, let me just say this. You do not treat people right to be godly. If you have grown to the basic level of godliness, you will treat people right. And again, this is about you know I'm a man. I gotta treat people right. I gotta do this. I gotta be kind. I gotta you know because I gotta be a Christian. No, God says that's that's not brotherly kindness. He said if you've come and followed this procedure of growth and you've come here to this point and now you've added on godliness. Watch this now. He said if you've added on godliness, it's almost a byproduct now that you'll treat people right because that's what Christ does. Now, it leads us, brotherly kindness leads us to charity, which is really simple. It's agape love. Charity is, is, is that the word that's used is agape uh, love. And, and it's last on the list, and this is a love that only God can give, and you'll never experience agape love, charity, until you have first learned to live simple brotherly kindness. You see, brother the kindness is something I didn't say, but brother the kindness is a love for those who love you. Brother the kindness is primarily for family, for church family, but charity goes beyond to all mankind. Now, if we don't follow this procedure, we won't even treat each other right right in here. If we don't follow this procedure, we don't treat each other right at home. Now, watch this again. If we don't have brotherly kindness, there's no way that we're going to have charity. Does y'all make it? Does it make it sense to you? Okay. Now, why is this so important? Because verse eight, and I'm done. It's seven o'clock. I got a couple more minutes. For if these things, look at verse eight. For if these things, this list, this recipe, really verses one through uh, nine, I believe it is. This recipe, I mean, one through seven. Why is this so important? Because it says, for these things be in you and abound. Now, here's what you got to understand, and abound. We don't, we don't just say, uh, add to your faith virtue, virtue, uh, knowledge, and knowledge, temperance. And te- you see, you, you continue to add. You know, your faith increases. And as your faith increases, God says, add to your faith additional virtue. You've already added some virtue, but, you know, we need to, start, we need to continue to grow in character. I, I hope I have better character now than I did when I was 18 years old. So you grow. And he said, so as you grow, you continue to add virtue. You continue to add more knowledge. I'd like to think that I know a little bit more now than I did 25 years ago. And, and so you continue to add more knowledge, and you continue to add more temperance because I learned more things. I, and I found more things that maybe I should change in my life, so I should add them. And this is a process that it just keeps building on upon it. So he says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you, listen, that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God says, through this knowledge that I've given you of salvation, through this knowledge that I've given you of the recipe of spiritual growth, through this knowledge, you ought not be barren and you ought not be unfruitful. And he said, truth is, you will not be. Now, understand two things. One, this is constant addling throughout life. You increase your faith, you increase your virtue, you increase your, your knowledge, you, incre- you just keep increasing and keep building upon this building block. We should be growing in all areas of life until we meet the Savior. Number two, we should be productive. That's what both these terms are talking about. Barren means, meaning really means useless. Doesn't mean unable to have a child. That word barren means useless. He said you won't be barren, you'll be useful, useful for the cause of Christ, unfruitful meaning not yielding to what you ought to yield. God says the fruitful Christian should yield to reaching others for Christ. You will be fruitful for Jesus. So really, tonight, my question is: You know, I just I just got through ordering. We've handed out a lot of tracks since I've got here. We've we've handed out about ten thousand, or more. Well, really more than that because we used a lot of them. That that's what I've ordered since I, I've been here twice. I've, and I'm, I've just ordered because we go through so fast. Ordered ten thousand more, of our good tracks, and hopefully they'll be in this coming week. But but simple truth is, folks. This is not this passage is not spiritual growth of the preacher. It's not spiritual growth of a deacon. It's not spiritual growth of a Sunday school teacher. It's spiritual growth of Christians. Because everybody in this place, God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you not to be barren. He wants you to be fruitful. And how are we fruitful? Through the knowledge of Jesus the salvation knowledge and the growth knowledge that he's just given us. But I, I'm going to just shout we, we get those in. And we got some, a little handful back there, uh, back in the rack that we've got back there. But, but ultimately, what I'm saying tonight is, is we always have to keep personal growth and outreach in our forefront of our mind. Don't ever get to the point that somebody else can do it. And listen to me as I say this. I'm not, this right now, I'm not talking about please come Saturday at 10 o'clock. I really am not. I'm thrilled for those who can. I'm saying a soul winner is not a soul winner because they come at a certain time. A soul winner is somebody that's concerned about souls all the time. And I'm not saying you're going to speak to everybody everywhere, but can I tell you this? If you just carry some of these with you, you'll probably hand out more than if you don't carry them with you. That's a deep statement there. There's a real possibility that you may hand one of these out if you have it with you. And you know what? There's a real possibility that somebody might read it if you hand it out. You know, I believe God He's blessing our church and he's bringing people to our church. But here's the thing, as we get more people that are willing to to work and get involved, we can never stop realizing it's everybody's responsibility to grow spiritually for Christ. This was not written to the preacher, to the prophet, to the teacher. This is written to the Christian. He started verse 1. You've got this like precious faith. That was the only criteria there at the beginning. You're saved. You're saved by the knowledge of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what are you going to do with that knowledge? What are you going to do with that salvation, that peace that God gives you? What are you going to do with that? And he said, I lined it out for you. Here's how you grow. And why did I do this? Not just so you could sit here and say, boy, I've really grown as a Christian. So we can get up and say, let me be fruitful. Let me not be barren. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love.